Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. Would you like to try that a little simpler, maybe? No. Conversations about collaboration, episode 70. Jenny Blake joins me today. Her new book is Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business. We talk about tech tuition, Notion, the importance of documentation, automation, and other cool stuff. Let's get it on. Jenny, live from Fiji. How are you doing today? <laughs> yes, live from Fiji in my imagination, New York City in practical reality. Thanks for having me, Phil. Uh, thanks so much for being on. Um, uh, let's just get right into it. Why, why Fiji? Because I know that's kind of an inside joke if people are listening, but I just, I had to know once I saw what the Fiji test is, I said, all right, we have to talk about that. Well, I've been self-employed for over 11 years now. And in the early days, I was always wondering what would happen if I got hit by a bus? How was I going to make my business resilient? Later, once I got married, now we have a dog. And I just, even in the early days, it bothered me to always be asking what if I get hit by a bus? Because I was just constantly imagining myself getting hit by a bus. And we know that the subconscious doesn't really know the difference between uh, you know, something phrased as a negative or something that's actually happening or could happen. And so instead, I just asked the question about resiliency and redundancy in, in terms of business systems was if I got whisked to Fiji with no devices and no ability to give notice to my team, could somebody else step in and do the work? And so then as I started expanding my team, usually it's a network of part-time contractors. I would tell them the same thing, that the Fiji test isn't just for the owner, it's for all of us. If any one of us got whisked to Fiji for three weeks, no devices, no ability to get notice, could someone else step in and pick up where you left off? And the moral of this story or thought exercise is it's all about documentation. Nothing should live in anyone's mind because then your business becomes fragile. If any one person goes or someone leaves your organization, you have brain drain or you're completely blocked or bottlenecked without that person there. We could go in so many different directions from that. But before we do, um, Wish to Fiji, I think that's Journey's fourth album, right? I don't know. No one's ever told me that. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 a, it's a bad joke. Okay. Uh, all right. You never know. Like crazier things have happened. Documentation has actually come up on my pod quite a few times, um, in particular with um, Darren Murph from GitLab, who's this oracle of remote work. And at his company, which has been all distributed from day one, 2013 or 14, their documentation is insane. I think it's something like a 13,000 page wiki. So the basic premise is that kind of like what you're saying, you're not the first person with this question. <laughs> and even the way that you Slack is really interesting to me because they archive all messages at the end of every month. And at first I said, that's crazy. There's so much knowledge there. Well, their theory is that if it's really important, it makes it into this wiki. If not, then it goes away. Absolutely. And the whole point of a wiki, I use Notion now, which no software has ever delighted me more than Notion because I was able to combine and basically, for the most part, move off of Google Docs, Sheets, Evernote, Asana, Airtable, and this whole Franken string of systems. Now in Notion, it essentially is a wiki. Those of us that used to use and create wikis a decade ago, but it's 
so user-friendly. And the, the three things that I look for in any externalized mind, I saw you had Tiago Forte on, he calls it a second brain. Yes, You're right. Like um, Annie, there's an author, oh gosh, her name is ex- escaping me, but she even wrote a whole book on the extended mind. So hmm. this concept has been around for a long time. Even people who do those uh, kind of like commonplace books or a shoebox full of index cards. Like this is a way of externalizing ideas and capturing things. And the the three qualities that I look for are that whatever you're using within your organization or your team, or even your personal life, that it be customizable, searchable, and interlinkable. The reason that wikis are so powerful is that you're creating a mini intranet for yourself and you need to be able to search because none of us can remember how to find something, at least if it's written down that's a good start, but we need to also be able to link and customize and search on a regular basis so that, as my friend Nick puts it, the retrievability of information is faster and easier. Oh, 100%. I geek. So I've been on Notion now for about six months. And the way, are you a Mac person or a PC person? I'm a Mac person. I suspected you were, I am too. And I know you can do the same thing with a PC, but I was just curious. Anyway, um, on Macs, do you use the multiple desktops? I do. Actually, you know what? No, I don't use them that much because I forget what I put on the other ones. So I'd be curious to know how you use them. Uh, well, we'll get back to you in a second. But if you're going to ask me a question about my favorite subject, me, far be it for me to... So anyway, I pin different apps to different desktops. So on one, it's Finder. And I've got two monitors, so this is basically two. Two is music, so I've got Apple Music on one, Spotify on the second one, blah, blah, blah. Um, five is for me productivity, so it'll be Word or maybe PowerPoint if I'm working on a speaking gig or something. Anyway, I struggled with Notion because I said, which which category, right? Is it a five? Is it a seven? Because seven is what I use for Todoist, but I'm using Todoist less and less and then trying to move everything into Notion. Um, so I struggled at first before I finally said, you know what, I'm just going to pick one, but it doesn't fit into a bucket. And when I explain Notion to people, they've either heard of it like you and they're downright acolytes, or they go, what is it? And answering that three-word question isn't easy because it isn't one thing. Yeah, I w- Notion's also very intimidating because when you first create an account, you get a blank page. It's just sitting in front of you, a blank blinking cursor. The possibilities are so endless. It's probably, I don't do Minecraft, but I could imagine that like for a person who just creates a brand new account and you see all these people creating intricate worlds and you're like, I don't even know how to move one brick from point A to point B in this virtual reality. And the same thing with Notion. So the first time I saw it, because I always love trying new software. First time I saw it, I just, I go, no this isn't better than Evernote. And I didn't touch it again for a year until somebody said, oh, let's collaborate. We were actually both working on how to say no and saying no more. And she invited me to a page and it became so fun to collaborate that then I created a course handout. I was teaching a course on podcasting Hmm. and I did the course handout notion. And the thing that really then sparked was that it's so dynamic because in one page, you can have the equivalent of a Google doc. You can have an embedded embedded spreadsheet with data. You can have a Kanban production style board showing of another database. You can easily embed videos, sound cloud files, Spotify podcasts. You can embed so much rich media that by the time your recipient is done scrolling from A to Z on this one same page, they don't ever have to click to leave. And that's the thing that really attracted me was that even for my team, instead of having to always 
even in Asana, we would have, okay, here's the task. And then here's the link to the Google doc of our manager manual. And then once you get to the manager manual, you need to click in the table of contents and find the right section. Too many clicking, too many tabs opening (laughs) with Notion. I don't have to leave in order to get everything done that I need to do for the most part, unless I'm really writing something intense like the book. I, I did most of it in Notion and only toward the end, I moved it into a big Google Doc. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. And the new book that I'm working on, I actually explain pretty much exactly what you said, how at one point I relied on all these disparate tools, either for my own writing purposes or, or my clients, which were basically mine anyway, but they sometimes would get confused because it was a Google Doc for this and it was a scheduling link. And of course, we would still use Zoom. And I mean, for the manuscript, um, if it's got a bunch of different treatments, um, I, I would actually write it in Microsoft Word, but then we might have a Todoist for planning. And then when I discovered Notion for a current writing project, um, we still need Calendly, right? You filled out a link for me. Something tells me you've got a Calendly link as well or something equivalent. You know, you're still going to need Zoom. Uh, it doesn't mean that every tool goes away, but you're absolutely right. A, you can consolidate tools and then B, you can easily link to them in kind of a main project batch, uh, dashboard. Yeah, and and it's fun. I know, I'm sure you've talked on your podcast and you will in your book about tools like Zapier. I haven't yet gotten into Make, which I've also heard great things about. But uh, yeah, I use Calendly as well. And when I first started using Notion, there was no Zap API, Zap, Zapier API that would allow me to pass data from Calendly into Notion. And that was a pain. That's what happens when you're essentially an early adopter of software. It doesn't do everything you want yet. Correct. But then slowly but surely, it's so delightful. All of a sudden, boom, there's a beta version of a Zapier API. So now... Oh, I hear angels singing and I can connect my Calendly to my podcast guest database and all their information populates into an ocean card that then moves across a day in the life of an episode Kanban board in Notion. And it's like uh, nobody on my team now has to manually copy and paste the information over from Calendly. So that's my favorite thing is once the tools start talking to each other, they reach at that point or even Notion will do a rollout of features. And it's like, oh, now all of a sudden, you can have an emoji reaction to a comment on a page rather than always having to respond and say, great, thanks. You could right. just react the way that we're used to doing on social media or in Slack. Yes. And boom, right there. It's, it's just that little thing, but it didn't exist two years ago when I started, but it's there now. So that's part of the journey. I love being on with software that I love when I feel really confident in the team. It's like, I know they're listening to their user base. I don't love the word user. So I always just... <laughs> their community. I know they're listening and that we're, we all are kind of are asking for similar things. And, and when, before those things exist, sometimes I'll spend half a day setting up a zap to get my software to do what I want. <laughs> and then even that is kind of like a fun problem solving game of yes. just how to automate. And then I always joke that my first team member is software because I try my hardest to automate everything I can that involves just point, click, point, click, point, click before I need to assign it to someone else. I, very, very true. You're my uh, sister from another mother. Um, I love your idea of automating what you can repeat and researching the forthcoming book. Um, it turns out that Notion recognizes that its automation functionality isn't great. And there are other tools you probably heard of Coda or Almanac. So it's and Microsoft's got Loop, which is its own sort of not so obvious um, knockoff. But they purchased, I think it was about a year ago, Automate.io, 
and they're going to build out a lot of those integrations. So you wouldn't necessarily need Zapier. And the same way they're adding blocks. I just saw the other day I use, I'm sure you use something similar, uh, but I use a tool called JumpShare for just quick kind of loom type videos and screenshots. If I someone doesn't let you upload a, uh, an image or something or a screenshot, then you just create a, a, a short link, but you can embed those. So Notion's going to keep building it out. And I think automation is a key part of not only what you're saying, but the future direction of the product. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's so exciting. And then sometimes it's frustrating because it's like, oh man, I worked so hard on my workaround. <laughs> and then now they roll it out. And, and that's something I found too, of just even setting up my first website in 2005. I, WordPress, I think was around, but just not nearly as popular. And it's like, I kind of sweated it out of how to create and code a website and taught myself Dreamweaver and HTML and CSS. And then fast forward, beyond even WordPress, then you get something like Squarespace where I host my websites now. And it's like, oh my, this is so much easier. Like people can go from zero to one so much faster. And it's, that's just the nature of it. So even with, in the podcasting space, there's so many things that are really arduous, like, and, and, and tricky that I don't know. Sometimes you, if, if, again, if you're early on these things, you just kind of have to take the long, hard way and tell the future podcasters, I used to walk uphill both ways in the snow. Right. right. <laughs> and oh, no, now I, you have it so easy. Oh, it's, it's remarkable. Um, the, the tools are just so exciting and, and you're right. Um, WordPress, if you started in 2005, um, I think dropped in May of 2003, but I'm pretty sure that you're hacking into my computer because just yesterday when I'm working on this no-code, low-code section of the book, I mentioned Squarespace and I mentioned Dreamweaver. And Dreamweaver is, I only know this because I looked it up yesterday, but it's something like 0.3% of all websites, whereas WordPress is at 43%. But even in the WordPress world with, with Gutenberg, um, it's more visual, no-code type thing. But I use Divi, which is an elegant themes theme. And it's low code, no code. So you don't have to put in code, but like you, I'm a bit of a geek. So I will constantly tweak it with CSS or JavaScript or jQuery because I don't want my website to look like everyone else's. And yeah, sometimes there's a plugin out there that does it, but part of me wants to figure it out on my own if I can. Yeah. That's a piece of seeing it as a puzzle to solve. And I think sometimes people get intimidated by software. Maybe they've even already dropped off this conversation because they go, you two are weirdos. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm the resident weirdo here, please. A little yeah. respect. <laughs> if, yeah, I feel like don't you usurp uh, my role. Yeah. We're, we're having a meeting of the mind. So they must be used to some amount of tech talk, your listeners, but I call it in the, in free time, my newest book, I call it tech tuition that, mm. you, you know, yes, Younger generations do have tech tuition, and we've all seen like a two-year-old that knows how to work their way around an iPhone or something, a touchscreen, and then they go up to the dumb old TV and they try to touchscreen, you know, use it like a touchscreen. Like, why doesn't this big black box do what the iPhone does? But it systems and software and even simple coding, low coding, as you call it, you know, it's just trial and error. If you see it like a puzzle, it's not, you're not dumb if you don't know how to do it. And though there's a learning curve to any piece of software. And sometimes even my team members will ask me like, oh, one of our private community members wants to pause. How do we do that? And it's like, 
okay, you could ask me, or you could also right. go to the help center of the software that we use right, right. and see how do I pause a member's account? And you know what? If you do do that, you Google or you look at, in my case, I use Kajabi for that and you don't find anything. Okay. Then you could ask me, but there are ways to teach yourself right. how to fish that involve just, we all, we, when we all get stuck on anything, any piece of software, the first thing I do is Google it. Garage band audio wave disappeared. How do I make it come back? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and all right. And then you learn something and it takes a little bit of time, but the, the no, you know, and sometimes, yes, I think you can have an interest and a proclivity toward this type of problem solving. But at the same time, no one's excluded from it. You just have to know, oh, if I bump up against a the wall, then the next step is I Google it. Next step is I go to the software's help center. And it's usually figure outable at that point. I love this notion of tech tuition, because if you use some of these tools, you get the confidence that you can figure them out. But also if you use another tool. So hypothetically, let's just say we work together on something. And I say, you know what? I know you're a huge Notion fan. But our company has this license for Coda and it blacklists Notion and could you pick it up? Um, to the extent that those companies create competing wares, you'd be, all right, there might be a learning curve, but you know, all right, I'm pretty sure there's a way to embed a video, right? As opposed to just, you, you strike me as the antithesis of a lot of my former colleagues, I won't name names, but just know this is the way how I do it, right? I'm not changing. I've done it this way for 15 years. It, work, ain't broke. it, it works, ain't broke, don't fix it. That's basically the bizarro you. I would say so. I used to get, I mean, I worked at Google from 06 to 11 and, you know, we used eat your own dog food. That was a mantra there. We used right. all the Google products. And then I left and I was running my own business. And even five years later, people would send me a Word doc as an attachment. <laughs> I would just think to myself, what are you doing? I know. You're attaching. It, it was like so cringe to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I'm offending anyone who's listening. I mean, even Microsoft was so friggin' late to cloud-based yes. software. But I'm like, what are you doing sending me a Word doc for us to collaborate? Now I have to download the file to my yes. computer. I have to re-upload yes. it. We have a million versions spawned. Preach it, this sister. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you. That was a sub books I've really never gotten on. <laughs> no, no. But but I, it's right, though. I mean, and it to me... It, I don't know if this is confirmed, but I heard the story a couple of times. I could see it being true. Evidently at Amazon, if you send an attachment, Excel, an attached Excel spreadsheet, it's grounds for termination because you're effectively creating your own version of the truth. It's out of sync by definition because it sits on a file on your computer in a local file. Well, that's not going to get updated in any kind of system other people could use. And one of the cool things, getting back to Notion for a second, something tells me that you pay, you don't just do the free plan. You you pay the whatever it is, four bucks a, a month or- Of course, $8 a month. That's a bargain. I pay for my team members too, from, you know, at any given time, a handful. Yeah. Again, so if someone members. does make a mistake, there's page history. So version control, you can hit rewind because someone messed something up. Um, I just did the- I completely agree with you. Um, and it's almost a branding thing for me, right? I understand if someone works in a strict environment and they're unable to use a tool or get to a website. All right, that's not really their choice. But when I work with other independents and they send me, um, I've even appeared on a few podcasts and people have sent me a PDF and said, please put in comments. I'm going, 
I can annotate a PDF. That's not a big deal. But to your point, I'm downloading it and I'm opening it and I'm sending it back. I mean, I'll put it in Dropbox and send a link, but why not just do it as a Google Doc or in Notion? Yeah, or, or a DocuSign. So, yes. okay, so now I have to download your PDF. Let's say it's a, a, a release form, a legal form. Okay, so now I have to download your PDF. Then I have to go to annotate, insert, signature, yep. blah, 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 resave it, re-upload it. Are you kidding me? Like throw that in. Dropbox comes with three contracts a month via hello sign for free. So yes. send me a friggin' hello sign so I can just click, click and I'm done. The rigmarole and, and I I don't I can't, I'm getting like it does. It makes me so annoyed, but I, I get it. Sometimes people just don't know that these other solutions exist. But it, another chapter in the book is called Save Someone the Next Steps. And to me, you just created Ooh. so many extra steps for me by by sending it that the way that you did. You created friction. I'm now a little bit annoyed. And by the way, that person's probably not using Calendly. So now we've gone back and forth yep. 11 times about the schedule. And it just, it's not a good experience. It's not a good customer experience. And in the case of podcasting, these are peers. These are relationships that you want to build. So you want someone to have the experience that, oh, working with Bill is delightful. Wow. Damn straight it is. So easy. It's seamless. So you didn't mind filling out my uh, Google form. In fact, it was a no- Google forms, some podcasts they ask for so much information that I feel they could get. I like when shows ask me for the, my latest bio. I think that's fair or preferred headshot or something sure. like that. I don't remember your form because it's been a while since I filled it out. Sometimes it gets into like, <laughs> we need a word for form TMI category where it's mm-hmm. like, do all the work for me for the prep. And that's where I think it tips over into friction zone again. Yeah. Well, do you use text expander or an equivalent tool? I do. Yeah. So I, I, do, I don't yeah. mind it as much because I've got bio one and that spits out my bio. Oh, I need it as HTML. Fine. Bio H spits it out. And yes, it does make that noise. But going back to what you said before about friction, it reminds me of a comedian that I'm going to see this weekend. Have you ever heard of Gary Goleman? No. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, actually got a chance to interview him a couple of years ago and, and met him when he came to Phoenix. But anyway, I'll try to summarize his joke, but it, I don't want to take credit for it. So he talks about how lazy he is and he wanted to watch Shawshank Redemption. And he said, if it's, I own the DVD, but it's, if it's under $15 on iTunes, I'll just buy it. $14.99, boom, sold. Why won't I do it? Because otherwise I have to get up and I have to find the DVD and I have to put it in. I have to change the source on the TV from one to two and hit play. And he just explains this, but the punchline is, it's one of my favorite jokes of his. What am I, a migrant farm worker? I didn't come here to pick peaches. I just want to watch Total Recall. I just, it doesn't have to be 1996 DVDs. It can be, I, I use DocuSign, I'm, I'm sorry, Hello Sign myself. And it's just so much more seamless to me than when someone sends me the PDF and I save it. And then I don't even know if it's legally binding, but it just, it is more friction and I don't print it out and scan it. That'd be just crazy. I'd use um, PDF pen. Do you ever use that one? I haven't. No, I just have my signature uploaded so I okay. can insert it easily. Okay. So anyway, it just lets you uh, edit PDFs, and um, it, but it's still extra friction. It's an extra app versus if it's hello sign and even on my phone, right? I could, if it's just a signature or initials or something. So yeah, I, I could imagine that most people love working with you, but there have to be some folks and maybe you don't take them on as clients to just say, look, this is the way I work. 
either you do it my way or not. I've had it happen to me routinely. And I've just decided that, you know, yes, if it's a major gig, I'll put up with extra friction. But sometimes if I sense that it's going to be more um, uh, difficult, I will actually up my rate because it's not so much the, um, was it the, the cargo? It's the miles, if that makes any sense. Yes, I can be an influencer and tweet. But if I have to go through 14 rounds of Slack messages to approve that tweet, it still takes my time. Mm. Yeah, I've had certain scenarios. I don't I don't love Slack. It makes me jumpy. Like it, everything seems equally important somehow. I just don't like it. And uh if someone I'm trying to think if there's ever been a situation where a company wanted me on Slack, but that would just be a no. I just wouldn't do really? it. <laughs> yeah, I would do it. No way. That's like to me, that's just you're getting 24-7 access to my consciousness. Not gonna do it. We'll have to have a separate conversation about that next time. But I will say this um, for um, uh, it, it seems like some people say, fine, I'll use Slack, but that's it. And Slack isn't a project management tool. It's for general communication and collaboration. It lets you do a bunch of cool things. I'm a fan, but actually our, our common acquaintance, uh, Jessica, uh, when I worked with her on the previous book for the design, um, initially I said, can we use Slack and to do it? She said, pick one and I'll use Slack. But in the middle of the project, she missed something. I missed something. It was just an honest mistake. All right, maybe we should pick a, a tool that lets us complete a task or a phase of a project or the whole project and assign dates. And now we're, we're using Todoist, but I suspect that next book I work with her on, we actually will use uh, Notion. But I, I understand what you're saying about Slack. And Notion to me has not replaced it altogether, but there, I, I use Notion in place of Slack in many cases. Yeah, I think Notion, it takes a little bit of discipline because Slack is so easy. They mm. make it so easy. However, I find that if, for example, with Jessica, I worked with her too on free time. She did the beautiful interior design of the book. And I found that we had a certain set of assets that I wanted her help creating for the launch. So whether it was a chapter excerpt PDF, and now there is one in line in the webpage itself, not just as a download. Maybe it was creating a quizpedia, things like this. I would rather talk in the comments of the page on Notion that says chapter excerpt yes. PDF and comment there and talk yes. to each other there because commenting is a feature yes. than do that on Slack because on Slack, it's all a mishmash. It's like, she's a part-time you know, expert that I'm hiring. What, what channel are we talking in? There's no channel for chapter excerpt of free time, it would likely be in the free time book channel or book launch channel. Right. And then it's just all still a mess in there. Whereas if we go back to Notion, it all the comments are exactly where they should be. And they're findable in the future based on this specific task or project that we've been working on. You sold me. I, I still argue if it's a general type of thing, but yes, the, the context of a notion. Give me an example. Coda. What's a, cause I know what you mean. And I know a lot of people, what would be a general thing that would not have a home and notion? Like, try me. Let's, I'd be curious. What would be something you'd love to just. Denny is throwing for? down the gauntlet. Okay. Look, maybe they put this in notion. <laughs> let's solve let's, this. <laughs> okay. Slack um, is going to now reach out. They're going to be like, excuse me, could you please stop throwing our brand under the bus? Well, you are, <laughs> to be fair, be careful what you wish, wish for, Jenny, because I did write Slack for dummies. 
So I can. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But okay, okay. But as things evolve, and like, yes, doesn't Slack make anyone else jumpy? Like trying to keep up with the notifications, and it yeah, feels okay. so instant, and you leap to your phone as soon as a message is at replied to you. It's like I can't stand that way of operating. I'm with you. Alan Newport I, calls it the hyperactive hive mind. Sorry, go ahead. Stop reading my mind. I was just about to mention <laughs> how for his most recent book. Um, he talks about how basically email and Slack are the same thing. And I completely disagree with that because um, of a number of things, but it, let's just answer your question. And he's a smart dude. I don't dislike him or anything, but I just think that he misunder he doesn't quite understand the power of Slack. So let's just say it is noisy, right? The woodpecker sound drives you crazy. I get it. I have been a part of a couple of live virtual events and that thing was just blowing up. So I can mute channels. I can mute conversations. I can mute people. I, as a former college professor, used to mute my students all the time, right? Because after three messages complaining about your grade, okay, here's my scheduling link, go nuts, but we're not doing this. Right. So I train people that this is the way that I communicate. You can also set up different types of alerts or notifications on different devices. I, I actually make the same recommendation in the, in the manuscript of the new book with Notion. If you have a personal Notion, so 20 bucks says you've got the Notion app for your phone or your iPad, right? Yes. Boom. So I'm not the only, you're not the only one who can read mine, sister. Anyway, it's not written anywhere, Jenny, that you have to have your client's workspace logged in on your phone. So if you want to go to the gym, like I'll be doing shortly, then if someone's contacting me in Notion, I don't get that alert till I'm home. So you can customize things in a much more refined way than you can with email. And yes, I know you can do rules and filters and forwarding and all that stuff. But uh, one other thing I'll mention, and for all I know, the Notion folks are working on this. Can you do a poll in Notion? I don't, well, there's embeddable tools that right. you could probably embed. I forget the one. I'll try to find it. And we might have a different opinion too, because I don't have clients in the way that you're describing. So I don't have like client workspaces, okay. for example, but um, let me get the word because it will, it will bug me, but you can embed. And then Notion is creating more and more of these polls would be great. Indify.co. You can embed Notion widgets. Okay. I'll have to uh, link to that one in the description. But the bottom line is that if, to your point from 20 minutes ago, whatever, if Notion doesn't have it now, I, I guarantee the product folks or peeps over there are looking at Slack and Microsoft Teams and workplace by, workplace by Facebook slash Meta, whatever they're calling it these days and going, oh, this would be good too. And even with the acquisition of automate.io, they're going to make it better. So if you're on this pod in two years, then I guarantee that we're talking about improvements, right? It's it's just natural. And I, you know, I would also say that with a client-specific workspace, if you decide to break up or the project ends, exactly what you said before about Google Docs, I don't have to forward you a bunch of them or a bunch of emails. I mean, it's just you sign out of the workspace, you send a message to their contact or admin or whatever, say, okay, delete me from this. I don't want access to any more. And boom, the handoff takes eight seconds as opposed to getting an email two weeks later saying, hey, we never got this. And Slack does the same thing. I rolled off a project a while back and the person said, make sure you send me other documents. I said, don't need to. It's all in Slack. You've got 30 days to grab what you need um, and then I'm going to retire it or you can give it to someone else. So it does make a handoff a lot easier because no one bats a thousand, right? I mean, not everyone can be as charming as we are, right? <laughs> I guess so, Yeah. We'll get you out of here I on this. Uh, yeah. 
No, I, I was just thinking out and thinking while you were saying that, but yeah, I'll, I think you're right. Like as, as an ocean rolls out more, the thing about even having files in Slack, I'm just curious, are, are they, are they clear to the client? Are they all in one place or are yes, they just there is a way throughout both? There actually is a tab in Slack for, or a, a, not a tab, but um, a, a menu item, whatever you want to call it, a link. I can click quickly click and see all the files and then I can search in the, oh, okay. yeah, there, there, cool. there, there's a lot you can do, but it, again, I know more about Slack than the average egg, but I'm using notion more and more because exactly what you said, you, you can't really create a bespoke app in Slack. You can do that in notion, right? You don't really create a database. You can link to a Google sheet or whatever you want, but it's something like Airtable would really let you create an extensible system. So when you were talking before about the different attributes and sort of your overall philosophy about going to Fiji and um, just externalizing the mind, um, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they serve different purposes. And if you said, look, I can't use Notion, I have to use Slack, I'll still take either one any day of the week and twice on Sunday over a bunch of email attachments back and forth. Because to me, oh, that's absolutely. just like, that's like tapping me out right? There's a better way of doing it, right? We know that there, you can stream through Bluetooth on your car, right? To the stereo system. And you're making me use a disc man. I just, I can't use a disc man anymore. It's not 1998. I also love the the thing that the one thing that most attracts me to Slack. And I I use Slack when we're in the middle of a launch. Like we do want exactly that, a kind of hyperactive all access Mm -hmm. scene. It's like going to the, going to the club. But the thing that I never really did in Slack, but that was very compelling to me was creating Slack bots. Mm. And so that seemed really fun, like an onboarding bot or yes. bots that would basically answer team member questions that were FAQs or like, I don't know. It seems like if someone really wanted to, you could have so much fun with Slack bots. Oh, I'll see you and raise you. Um, Christine uh, is a consultant from Slalom who was on my pod most recently. And she sent me, she exported one of the Slack workflow builders, which is basically a no-code, low-code app within Slack that automate things. And the one that she sent me, I forget her last name off the top of my head. My coffee hasn't kicked in yet, but um, it effectively suggested to folks that they should be replying in threads. And it's just like email, right? If I were to reply all, then you know, you see the subject read, blah, 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 versus sending a, a disparate email. Well, that's not part of the thread. Well, in Slack, some people don't reply in the thread and it's etiquette. You don't want to be that person, right? The, the Slack enforcer, but there is a bot that recognizes it and says, hey, you know, you, you may want to do this as a, as a reply in a thread. And, and to me, going back to what you're saying, automate what you repeat. I mean, case in point, right? I don't want to, awesome. even with, even with so text. What expander, would trigger the bot? What, because that seems like it'd be hard. How, how did she teach the bot to know when someone should have been replying in a thread? Well, you don't have to teach it. It's kind of baked in when you go into workflow builder, you can basically create your own app. It's a lot like Zapier. You said you use that, right? It's dropdowns. That's one yeah. of them. And I was just wondering what the parameter would be that when, when it would trigger and when it wouldn't. I'd have to look at the technical documentation mm-hmm. and I don't think that it's entirely perfect, but it, they could look at things like the, the time of it, right. The, um, they're looking at actual words, the people involved. Um, I, I again, I'd have to go into That's it. So I, I, I didn't know I had a study yeah, for my Slack cool. test today, Jenny. <laughs> well, you said you wrote a book on it. So I figured if anyone would know, <laughs> well, that's it's crazy. awesome though. I love that. Like reinforcing best practices and 
the company values and principles and way of operating, that's really what free time is. I wanted to write the operating manual that even if the business owner feels like they read the book and they go, oh, I already know everything in here. Probably someone like you would have that reaction. Uh, At least you could hand it to your team and you could say, this is how we work. And it kind of helps people. And so I love the idea of also reinforcing that through something like a Slack bot. Oh, and you could blame the bot, right? So don't get mad at me. I mean, I might have installed the bot. So of course, it's always about blaming me. But all kidding aside, it, it I mean, it is exactly what you're saying about automating what you can. Um, and also to your point, and it sounds like this is a theme of your book, uh, talking about the culture and what you expect from folks. And if someone says, yeah, I don't do, I mean, if I interviewed for a position with you, or even if it's just as a contractor, I'm sure you vet people for some of the principles you've talked about today. And if someone comes across as very rigid and not in automation and an email freak, something tells me you're not going to continue working with that person for very long. Yeah. If they're grumpy about using software and I've had that, I've had people be kind of grumpy and reluctant, but then a lot of times they come around and they go, oh, this is actually changing my life. Even though I was so grumpy at first. And the other thing is that I've sometimes I have a hard time because I love this stuff so much. It's a lot to expect of my team that they be as passionate about automation and stuff. So sometimes I'll try to hire for what I'm not. And it's okay if they're not an automation ninja, like I'll sort of take care of that piece and then they can do the client communications piece in my email inbox, you know, something that I'm just, I don't jump to as much because this is like, this is a sandbox for me. This is just like going to the playground is like, oh, I get to create something new in Notion today. That's how I procrastinate. As Marie Poulon, that's who I learned Notion from. She calls it procrastinationing. Ooh. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> tough. I'll get you out of here on this, Jenny. What book are you currently reading? Oh my goodness. It's a good question. Well, the, bo- the book that I just finished, <laughs> which led to why I'm not reading, I, I, I have like, 15 books that I bought recently. And for some reason, I can't bring myself to read them. But I read a New Yorker article called The Haves and the Have Yachts. And it was so funny. It was about super yachts and billionaires. And I highly recommend you put that in the show notes. So then quoted in the article was a guy who wrote a book called Super Yacht Captain about his life on the sea, serving billionaires. So then I got down the below deck rabbit hole. And now I'm on a reality TV show. It's a Bravo network show below deck. I think many people have already binged it because it's a decade old now. There's so many seasons. And let me let me bring this back to the topic of this conversation. Below deck is all about the teamwork and the leadership and the failures of teamwork and collaboration and leadership that happen while serving these very wealthy charter guests. So something about it is just massaging my business brain while giving Mm. me an excuse to just sit there and like delight in reality TV. (laughs) Good stuff, Jenny. Thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed it. Likewise. Thanks so much, Phil. And big thanks to everybody who's here listening. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at wait for it patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to conversations about collaboration. If you like what you heard and how can you not please download like, and or subscribe. See you next time.